0: Nutrition Heretic Facebook Live Q&A This is the part where I say, hello folks, uh, welcome to another uh, Nutrition Heretic Live Facebook Q&A with Adrian Hugh. And today uh, a special guest with us is uh, Razzy Berry. I'm really trying hard not to, ta- to tell Raspberry because it's just on the tip <laughs> of my tongue. But it's Razzy Berry. And, um, since, You're
1: lucky she has a sense of humor.
0: Yeah, I know that. I know that. And since uh, Adrian decided to cut me off uh, for this episode, she wants to take hold of Razzy for herself. I'm going to be gone.
1: Yeah. It's just the
0: girls. <laughs> right, people? So, no boys allowed. No boys allowed. That's right. Right. I'm signing off and Adrian just run the show. Razzy, we'll talk later. All right. Bye bye.
1: <laughs> thank you. All right. Thanks. So Razzy, thank you so much for, for being here. I know that we were going to originally do this as a, a- <laughs> Uh, podcast episode and then I realized earlier this week hey the summit starts in two days so I wanted to get you on as soon as possible and we usually do our Facebook live on Thursdays this is actually the first time where we've had like three people that's that's why the the whole confusion because usually it's just him and me bantering and then people come in with their questions so I'm gonna I'm gonna lead with questions and uh Nicola, if you can let me know in Skype, if you can, if if anybody comes in and is asking questions, if you can do me the favor of posting them here in Skype so that I can read them.
2: I'm sharing this right now to my Facebook page. Wonderful. Yeah. Let me get in there and do that. And it was really funny what Nicola was saying because yes, Razzie Berry is my real name and actually somebody i've known for many years one of my naturopathic doctors yesterday just said so i've wanted to ask you is that like your like an internet name and it's not <laughs> i'm hoping that i would have gotten much more creative than Raspberry. I, I,
1: I once knew i once knew a woman named misty sprinkle and she actually married into the name sprinkle <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> she went down the yellow pages. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> hmm, what looks good for my branding? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, my mom just thought it would be fun. I guess when she married into the name Barry, she right. thought Razzie would be fun. So, well, it's I- a
1: beautiful name, and yeah, very cool. Does is there an origin to Razzie, or she just made it up?
2: Well, no, she she just thought like she was thinking different things like blueberry you know she's trying to find and I guess nothing really sounded like it could be a first name except for Razi. um
1: I I do know somebody named Razi. (laughs) yeah same same spelling he pronounces it Razi, uh but it's his nickname and his he's he's Pakistani and his name is Rizwan and his Uh, nickname is Razi.
2: yeah no and it's funny because once when I was a little girl we were in Sedona at this metaphysical bookstore and a lady there had a card and it said Razzie Berry on it. I was like, what? I was like, my name's Razzie Berry. And she's like, sweetheart, my real name is Ruth Cohen.
1: <laughs> 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 so <laughs> So tell me about how you got into the health
2: area and why heart disease in particular. Yeah, okay. Well I got into naturopathic medicine because in my mid twenties I became really sick with fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, mm-hmm. which really wasn't a true diagnosis back then. Conventional doctors basically told you that it was all in your head because they'd look at simple lab tests and say everything was fine. Your symptoms don't match this, so it was bad. Adrian. I was you know crawling across the floor to go to the bathroom. I was in so much pain. I. I had this really great career, and I ended up having to um, just, like, try to find my health. The doctor told me to go on disability, and I thought, I want to live my life. I don't want to just sit at home and watch game shows and take a government check and take right. pills all day. Well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that it's sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> when you're
1: really just racing around too much, it does sound appealing.
2: <laughs> it's true, but I had much more energy back then for that. <laughs> And um, so I, you know, went on this search. And long story short, I found naturopathic medicine, and it totally changed my life. You know, we were talking offline about your health challenges and how you found someone that just changed your life. So kind of a long story short, I was in this field that I just really didn't like. I was making good money, but I wasn't happy. And that stress caused me to have infertility issues. And so I started this journal, Naturopathic Doctor News and Review. We're in our 13th year of publication now, ndnr.com, and that was like my first child. And when I quit the job I hated to do something that I loved and felt good about, I like got pregnant magically.
1: Yeah. So Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so, the person comes home with the, the child they've ado- uh, adopted from Cambodia, and they're like, I'm pregnant. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how I got into publishing about natural medicine. And then I started Natural Path for the patient side of things. But the heart disease aspect happened much earlier than that. When I was 14, I actually, it wasn't heart disease. It was heart failure, which I guess is a form of heart disease. But I had an eating disorder, Adrian. I was I had anorexia, nervosa, and bulimia. And um, my heart, you know, that is bad for, for all muscles. And your heart is a muscle. And it's bad for your electrolytes in your nervous system and my body was just shutting down um, and I actually had this transformative experience and I healed from that and so it was you know in my adulthood that I took kind of that understanding of the power of your mind and your heart and spirituality and healing and then later with the, you know, I had that part of it, but I didn't really understand nutrition and natural healing and natural medicine. And so it was later on, I kind of put those two together. And when I realized that heart disease is the leading cause of death globally, and we don't talk about it as much as we do more, um, you know, other types of illnesses like cancer and stuff, you know, we don't talk about heart disease as, as, seriously as we do other things and um, heart disease actually adrian kills more women than all forms of cancer combined so
1: you you continue i have a story about that (laughs) so So, I'm, i'm gonna ask you
2: yeah, yeah. So I wanted to do the heart revolution instead of having just another summit that talks about the heart, like just, you know, what to eat and what not to eat and to lose weight. I wanted to encompass from what happened to me when I was really young, I actually had a near-death experience, um, which is, I don't know if that's appropriate to talk about on your show or not. Well, go for it. Yeah, everything goes. You can drop an <laughs>
1: F-bomb. We don't care.
2: <laughs> well, I had, I had a near-death experience in the hospital and I really didn't tell, you know, my mom knew My main nurse knew, a couple of the nurses knew. But we really didn't talk about it. But after that point in my life, I became so kind of engrossed. Like I went like studying different religions and wanting to kind of recreate that amazing, loving feeling that I, that experience that I had when I was like out of my body, first looking down on my mom and my brother in the hospital saying goodbye to me. The priest came to do last rites. Suddenly Mm -hmm. I like whirled away into what was like, it was like being inside of a dewdrop when it or a raindrop and the sun is shining and it's just like reflecting back and forth. It was like this bright, bright light that just communicated this love. And I was really ashamed of having an eating disorder. And I remember the doctor saying like she's doing it to herself at one point. And when I was in that feeling of love, I just really wanted to stay there. Mm -hmm. Um, But it said to me, like, you know, all this love you're feeling now is already there. The people that are judging you, the love you're not showing to yourself, you know, all of this, it's already there. Just embrace that. And I came back healed of my heart and, and always searching for that you know, searching for that connection, that spiritual connection again. And so when I found naturopathic medicine, it was so beautiful because it's, it is a field of medicine that accepts that mind body aspect. Mm -hmm. So for the heart revolution, I wanted to include everything that affects our heart, Adrian, our emotions, our relationships, grief, loss, shame, anger, you know, nutrition, uh, physicality, sexuality, and all those things. And that's, kind of just coming full circle for me now with the heart revolution.
1: Right, right, so yeah, it's, it's heart literally and figuratively in, in many ways. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, one of my, I call her my aunt, she's not a blood relative, but you know, she's she was always there for me um, and still is. Uh, she lost her mother maybe about five years ago. Mm. And uh, when I went to her, the mother's funeral, my, you know, my aunt's sister. <laughs> she's you know also like an aunt to me, but not as much. You know, she wasn't as close to our family. But she, her, it was her younger, her youngest sister. Uh, I saw her at the funeral, and it really seemed to hit her in a very different way than it did my aunt. And I, I just kind of saw how deeply it was affecting her while, you know, she's going through it. This is at, this was actually at the uh, repass, you know, the, the meal afterwards. And I see that, like, like you could see there's a, there was a different level of pain going on. Right. Uh, that was February of that year. I believe it was August of the same year that auntie went to the doctors and had a heart attack on the table and died. Oh. And this is something that I had heard a long time ago is that loss is often a trigger for these kind of unexpected massive heart attacks. Yes. Is
2: that what you have found as well? Yes, it's true. Heart attack syndrome is established in the literature. It's called stress-reduced cardiomyopathy and it's real. It happens, it can happen. It can even happen um other types of excitement. Like there have been people who've won the lottery and then they had a heart attack. So oh, said stocks. <laughs> <That's> so wrong. <laughs> I
1: know
2: that's the word. That's like the saddest. one <laughs> 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 But um but yeah, it 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 it's true. And um whether it happens instantly, I also think that it can happen slowly. You know, sometimes people their their life partner dies and then yes. a few weeks later they die. But, you know, our hearts have been known to be the center of emotion and intuition and feeling and connection with each other for generations, centuries in every culture. But we've never really had science to prove it. And along comes HeartMath Institute, who's also featured in The Heart Revolution. And they show through their research and research of others that our heart has a measurable field, just like our brain does. And the heart field, the heart has an energetic field, the earth has an energetic field. We actually get health from that energetic field of the earth. It gives us um of electrons that affect our cells in positive ways, which help regulate emotions, blood pressure, and this idea of coherence. When we're in a coherent state, our heart rate and our emotions and our body functions are all working in concert together. And when we're in constant stress or sudden stress that affects all of our organ systems, our hearts are so intelligent. You know, we know that our hearts contain neurons. So in a way, Adrienne, our hearts are like a little brain And our heart talks to our brain, our heart sends signals to our brain, our heart releases chemicals, um, hormones throughout our body. So now we know that exactly what you're describing is that our heart is very affected and part of love and loss, and and these things affect our physiology.
1: Right, and I'm a linguist uh, as well, and, you when you look at language and how it's formed we talk about uh thinking with your head not your heart or vice versa uh you know there's like we 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 have intuitively woven these kinds of terms around the heart and the shape of the heart and the the symbolism of the heart for a reason it's just those things don't happen you know uh completely by accident you're right yeah. Yeah, I, I really think that there's there are so many things that we say that maybe it was that our ancient ancestors understood this uh, more than we do today because, you know, they didn't have YouTube. <laughs> you know, they didn't have they didn't have distractions uh, the way that we do so that we're, they they had more time to contemplate and reflect and uh, get in tune with the way they feel and and what's triggering what. Right. Uh, now. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, because you talk about women being more affected by this, uh, and w- what I'm wondering about, because this is this when you t- when you name a statistic like that, when you talk about st- a point to a, a statistic like that, and forget the year i want to say it was like 1956 1957 apparently was the last time that someone could die of natural causes wow right uh so and basically what that means is that the doctor is forced to put the 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 last thing that happened before you were declared dead (laughs) As, (laughs) as the cause of death they had to name a cause of death so looking at someone like my mother who suffered from uh bladder cancer um doctors did zippo to help her uh you know completely negligent uh but long story short her death certificate you know she she barely had a bladder anymore you know she couldn't she could barely breathe she couldn't even hold her head up when i went to to visit with her and I fed her and she was doing better, but then as soon as I walked out the door, they would sabotage everything that I was working on. So anyway, uh, her death certificate says her heart went. Yeah, is is are those kind of numbers being included in that? When you know what I mean? So yes. yeah, the heart went, but like all this other stuff went first. You know what I'm saying? All this other stuff wasn't optimal, leading the heart to to overwork at this point you know how do we understand those numbers better
2: yeah and that is like a million dollar question because it's also you know are we counting the toxic prescription drugs they've been taking many years before as well you know so it's a really good question and I don't know that there's an answer to that um I think that that is a question that we just don't know but we do know that our hearts are very fragile but yet they're strong at the same time and we also know that the way we used to look at heart disease um, is is really archaic compared to some of the new research that's coming out like we always thought of the heart as a pump and we still think of it that way as a heart that pumps blood it was Rudolf steiner who was kind of the founder of like waldorf education and anthro Philosophical, medicine. Always and. Say that wrong. Yes. <laughs> so he was one of the first people, at least, published to say that you know it's impossible for the heart to be a pump, it's a muscle this small without very many pounds of pressure to pump blood through. You know, it's literally miles and miles of blood vessels and capillaries and arteries and veins. And then when you think about how small a capillary is, and then your blood is viscous. It's not like water. You know. It's right. Thick. So. Now what research is showing is that the heart is really almost more like a dam that creates a vortex Mm. and regulates the blood flow, but it doesn't pump the blood through your body. And what that does is really kind of destroy this thought that like the heart is just this machine that gets clogged if you eat butter, (laughs) you know? (laughs)
1: Because apparently butter doesn't change chemical <laughs> composition once you eat it.
2: <laughs> yeah. So so now we're forced to look at it in a different way. And when you think about what our blood is, I mean, it contains like everything that we eat and drink and breathe in and slather on our body. And um, it just it really changes the heart and shows that the heart being regulatory is really Much more valuable and much more the center of everything. And and when you talk about women, I think another thing that a question I think that you were asking is that why women? Mm -hmm. And we know that the heart releases oxytocin, which is known as the love hormone, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, and the research really isn't out there, probably because there's not a whole there's not a drug really being sold yet to really need you know to really
1: interesting we don't have a drug doesn't exist (laughs) move on to the next
2: (laughs) exactly but i think uh you know oxytocin is important for bonding and Mm -hmm. even cognition and memory and, and survival and women i think i think i think oxytocin is um more important for lack of a better word for women and we know the heart they think now maybe gives off more oxytocin than the brain does. Mm. Women, I think, need the reason I think women need oxytocin more is because we can get it in so many different ways. Right now, you and I talking, we are releasing oxytocin. That's why that whole, like, tend and befriend bonding thing, women seem to talk to each other more. You know, we can get it through holding our child, nursing a child, you know, embracing someone, and through an orgasm. Where a man, according to the research, can really get it through a full body hug or an orgasm. So I think that if you just look at it in a primitive way, I feel like that you know the whole nesting thing in, that women do. I think that oxytocin is really more important or more useful, more part of a woman's physiology and psychology and biology. And I think when these things affect our heart, it affects the oxytocin and many other hormones. Um, dopamine, norepinephrine, you know, our, our hearts give off ANF, which is a hormone that I don't also, I also don't pronounce it very well, but it, 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 it you know, helps regulate things like blood pressure. Well, think about, you know, vasopressin, when you hug someone, vasopressin re- relaxes all your blood vessels. When you're near someone that you care about, you, you feel relaxed. Somebody that you've had trauma with or that you don't quite trust, you know, it causes more of a stress response, which affects these right. hormones, which affects your oxytocin in your heart. And I think that that is one of one of the reasons why women are more susceptible.
1: Right. OK, yeah, that that, that totally makes sense. Uh, what you're reminding me about uh, and I'm backing up a little bit here uh, because you're talking about the research, how. Uh, in the West and maybe more specifically in the U S we have been resistant to some of these other ideas of how heart disease occurs. Right. Uh, it's bringing me to, it hasn't been released yet, but I just, uh, a few months ago, just, uh, interviewed a gentleman by the name of Ken Moorhead. He's a doctor of Chinese medicine. And he was talking about the fact that here in the U S you know, he wants to, he's been doing some, some work with breast disorders and acupuncture and he's finding that, uh, you know, Cuba is like a great place to do research because they are very inclusive as is Europe, you know, very inclusive of other modalities like Chinese medicine for, for, healing this but in the in the states we've gotten so locked into and and sometimes i find myself shying away from studies because Mm -hmm. because sometimes in the u.s first of all the studies are crappy design a lot of times you know you can't change like you can't change you know five or six different parameters and and then point to one of those as the problem right Uh, or the determining factor uh, that's, that's one thing, but also we get so hung up in the studies that even a lot of doctors are overlooking their actual patient experience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's like they're trying, so, you know, I can see what you're talking about because I can see where the, you know, some, sometimes we get stuck in trying to make the, the triangle peg fit in the square whole yeah. because because it's you know the study said it has to work this way and that's why you got told when you had fibromyalgia you got told that you were nuts and when I had my face cracked and bleeding and asthma and all this other stuff I was told it was a reason to go to the psychiatrist yeah
2: uh, yeah and you know that's why in the work I do with natural path and naturopathic Doctor news and review is I you know the case studies that we provide through naturopathic doctors include the empirical evidence, include what the doctor experiences, what with, with the patient, what the patient's experiences. We've kind of thrown that out of medicine now. I mean, you can have a patient who does get better from you know, zinc and vitamin C for something. But if the research doesn't show that, or if it didn't happen to this many rats during this many period, you know, this time period in a lab, then it just can't be true. And then like, you're, you know, can't, you can't say that, or you're going to get in trouble. (laughs) Right. You know, empirical evidence is what is what our, our grandmothers and their grandmothers and their grandmothers, I mean, that's how we learned about plant medicine and herbs and what foods I mean look at all the research we've done on turmeric we know that it is just kick ass, right you right. said I could swear on your show oh so yeah I, I <laughs> Bring on a- the <laughs> but you know but does all this science prove it doesn't change that cultures that grew it have known for centuries that it works right right so You know, even uh, bringing up vitamin C, I mean, Linus Pauling won a Nobel Prize for it, and we're still fighting in the literature if it really works or not. When I had, um, I sadly had an emergency C-section with both of my pregnancies, and in the hospital I insisted on vitamin C IVs, and both times they refused, saying that there was like no evidence, and um, I'm kind of getting off the topic of heart disease, and I apologize, but No, 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 go for it. But, you know, that the way you're talking about research is so true. I mean, there's beautiful research out there, but a study has to be funded from somewhere. And it was Marcia Angel, I'm probably saying her name incorrectly, but she was for many, many years the editor-in-chief, a medical doctor, editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine. One of her most famous quotes is that she sadly and reluctantly came to the conclusion that much of studied literature, scientific research, cannot be trusted mm. it takes some you know it takes guts to say that and she must you know she said she came to it reluctantly this was her life's work can you imagine right. exactly
1: well uh a few weeks ago i heard a, a quote uh i'm trying to remember how it goes exactly but uh it was max Planck said it and he basically said that science advances one funeral at a time so, in other words, until you know, doctors or whatever scientists are going to hold fast to their their concepts, their theories, which they're, you know, of course, they're going to retrofit everything to fit into that theory. And and um, you know what, like we said before, if it if if it wasn't in my study, it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, we have to wait for these guys to kick it before <laughs> before anyone is allowed to move beyond that accepted theory?
2: Well, take a look at statin drugs, it's supposed to be the biggest breakthrough in cardiovascular disease. Even there's a doc, prominent physician, his last name was actually Reckless, I forget his first name, Dr. Reckless, that said that statins are so important that they should be in the water supply. Well, here we are, and heart disease is still the leading cause of death in men and women. So. You know we're do we're doing it wrong. That's right. why these platforms, like your nutrition podcast and websites and your books, which are super fun, are <laughs> so important, you know, to help people find like that like you and I, who were sick and weren't getting the help that we needed or in the memory of people like your mother, that we are able to help people find alternatives and and the truth. And that is what the heart revolution is all about. sixty three. Experts on every ask, you know, these aren't all natural physicians. These are researchers, scientists, medical doctors, life coaches, relationship experts, psychologists, you know, traditional healers. There's even a HUNA traditional Hawaiian healer since you're in Hawaii that talks about, you know, the healing of the heart from the, the HUNA perspective. And that's why I think it's important for everyone to get all the information that's available and make the best decision They can. You know, if somebody wants to choose a conventional route, that's their life and their body and their right to do so. But what is so unfair is if someone doesn't know that there are options out there. We all deserve to know the options.
1: Well, there's that knee-jerk reaction, right? You know, the person um, has, whether it's, you know, finds out that they have heart disease. Uh, As a matter of fact, I, I have a friend who I guess lost his dad to heart disease, and maybe an uncle or a grandfather to it as well. And he's kind of getting to the age where they died, and so suddenly he's doing a one eighty. But you know, his solution is, well, I've got to drop a bunch of weight. Okay, that's fair. Uh, but he's he's basically you know down to like celery and apples as as his food source. And I'm like, honey, you gotta you know <sighs> nourish that right. that that muscle, uh, and it's. I understand the fear or whatever. First of all, why'd you wait <laughs> yeah, yeah. until you were you know, three years shy of, of your expiration date apparently. Uh, mm-hmm. And, um, and then on top of it, you know, are you doing more damage than good by just suddenly starving yourself? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. You know, you bring up something I love to talk about Adrian. I'd love to hear how you feel about this because right now, it is so trendy to talk about detoxification, and it's super important because we yeah. live in a very toxic world. But we don't talk enough about nourishing our bodies, which is really important in in naturopathic medicine. Absolutely, and that's I'm I,
1: people who, who actually listen to the podcast <laughs> they'll, they'll tell, they they know that I, I reiterate this stuff day in day out. Uh, yeah, you know I'm I kind of have a little bit of a grudge against some of these you know cleanses and detoxes because it's it's to me it's almost like an anti-food movement you mm-hmm. know we're just gonna blame all the food about you know and it's it, you don't turn on the news for example and hear that you shouldn't be eating sheet cake you know they're not telling <sighs> you <laughs> they're not telling you to cut back on the red bulls maybe every once in a while they might make it you know, a little skeptical about it but they're not going to say stop doing it but they will you know get all the studies on red meat and and eggs and butter and all this you know all of these Foods that have nourished our ancestors for generations. Mm-hmm. And so what I think is that as a result, and then, and then, you know, they really like to popularize the juicing guys, right? These guys who, you know, I just drank juice for 365 days and lost the <laughs> you know, same number of pounds. And, um, you know, so they end up pushing this stuff. And, and what ends up happening, in my opinion, is that people think there is zero value to, let's say, animal foods, Mm-hmm. and that all the value is on these these cleansing foods but we need a balance of all of it you know and we need to understand you don't need to get all in one meal or even necessarily all in one day but i i am very much a proponent of following the cycles of nature you know right now it's cold in waimea i need maybe you know the oranges are coming in really good i just picked two limes out of my backyard you know (laughs) i have an avocado we you know got fish yesterday from the from the fish shack and (laughs) all those other things but you know we can we um try to make sure that there's a balance but that also we're intuiting what the body wants, right?
2: Yes. And so, when you said earlier that we're so disconnected, I think that's why everybody doesn't know what to eat. You know, no. or they listen to each person tells them you just eat this and don't eat that. When really if we stop being so disconnected from our own body and from the world around us, I think you're so right, Adrian. We we can sense like, you know, I was vegan for 7 years and in the beginning, I felt really good, and then I didn't at all and it wasn't until I started you know introducing more traditional foods back into my diet, like I always thought that milk was terrible. I never liked milk. then I discovered raw milk there exactly. were many people right near watching that are going, boo milk, but for me, my body type, you know, um, maybe my ancestry, like I feel fantastic when I drink raw milk and I think that there's this principle in naturopathic medicine it's called um treat the whole person, which means the whole individual person. And I think that, you know, where, where we come from and where we grew up and just our bodies, different needs. And even throughout our life, right? Maybe you have different needs going through puberty, through menopause. So I think it's bad idea to say that any one nutritional, um, paradigm or protocol is the is the way to go and i don't want anyone to think i'm against detoxing i just talked to someone earlier today about detoxing it's super important but you have to also nourish right exactly this
1: because and one of uh one of the things i also believe is that when we detox over detox and your body needs nourishment so i always like to point to uh something like you say, calcium. Let's, you know, that's an easy one that we can all agree that we need some kind of calcium, right? But you look at the periodic table, right? It's got CA++. Well, whatever else has a++ plus plus could be toxic, and that might be floating in the environment. And you're not putting it in your body, or you're not putting it in a way that your body can absorb it. Guess what? You're going to suck it up from whatever <laughs> whatever else is going to fit into those those keys uh, right. or into those, those locks. Uh, so... You know, when um, so I have seen a lot of people who you know slant their diet totally in one direction, whether it's vegan or paleo, basically the extremes, and um, you know, they they end up having some kind of weird mercury poisoning or lead toxicity or you know, some type of heavy metal or something sitting in their bromine, uh, because they have gone they've gone past the brink, so you know, I, I think that. Uh, again, just those cycles are so important. We've got to understand that, yeah, this you know vegan works for you now. But if eighteen months down the road you're feeling kind of crampy, it might be time for to you know throw some eggs in there. Right. It and might be time to you know put cooked vegetables, not just raw, or okay. whatever you know. Like there's and then the same thing on on the you know the paleo side, which for all intents and purposes, I, I understand better as but I don't necessarily think it's an end I think it's it's a destination along the way
2: Mm -hmm. and just like what you said earlier about picking the oranges and the limes you know nature is so wise that those started blossoming you know the previous spring they soak up all this sunlight and energy in, in the summertime and then it's ready for us when we need that extra sunshine and the cows grazing on the grass in the springtime and we make the butter we add the cream to our tea you know not of course not a factory animal but a, an animal out there in nature grazing on the grass breathing in the fresh air drinking clean water you know is processing all that amazing plant energy and giving it to us in in new ways and um. There's just so much wisdom in that, you know, I like your idea of just eating, you know, attuning to nature because I'm a big believer in that as well. Yeah,
1: that's, well, that's awesome to hear because uh, I could actually sit down to a meal with you in that case. So, <laughs> we
2: <laughs> well, that. when you get down to Hawaii,
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you've got a standing invitation. How's that? Um I only have a pull out couch, though, so <laughs> I have to put you up in a hotel. Okay. Um, in any case, uh, so tell me, you said that you were vegan for seven years. Was that before or after you had your incident, your,
2: yes. your out-of-body? It was actually before. It was, um, well, it was, be- I'm sorry, vegan started before and then came vegetarian. And then I really saw the light and started eating more foods. But, yeah, the veganism for me was kind of, and I'm not, I'm afraid to say this, but for me, it was kind of as a doorway into my eating disorder, probably because I was just so nutrient depleted.
1: Right. Um, that happens to a lot of people. Um, and, and you know, especially doing this podcast, I've learned more and more people say that's how they're eating, dis- you know, those who had eating disorders, that it usually came through some permutation of the vegetarian, vegan.
2: Well, I you know. was too young, really. I mean, there might be somebody who's, you know, not a teenager that maybe they've been eating terribly like sheet cake, like you said, all their lives. So going, you know, eating more mostly plant-based foods for a while, that's a way to cleanse their body. Exactly. Um, But, you know, when your body's developing and growing, I mean, your brain is, you know, your prefrontal cortex isn't even fully developed till you're 25 or 26 and your ovaries and just your whole body. So it was really not the right time for me to be eliminating so many nourishing foods. Um, and then I had read this book about food combining. And I, it caused me to really, you know, we talk about the heart brain connection a lot in the heart revolution, but also the gut brain connection. When you when you aren't nourishing your gut, then you're, you know, that's called your second brain, your enteric nervous system. And so we know that we have serotonin receptors in our gut, you know, all over the place. So I think that a lot of eating disorders stem from the psychology of eating, not just your thoughts. I mean, yeah, there's the whole idea of like the Barbie dolls or the airbrushed, you know, fashion models that no teenage girl can ever really become. And there's that cultural aspect. But on top of that, when you add the lack of nutrition, then you just don't have the right hormones or minerals to make the best cognitive connections and reasoning. And it just became a real, real cascade. And then you know, for me, it affected my heart afterwards. So what a way to explain how our body is so interconnected.
1: Yeah, and and that's, uh, you, you hit on so many things, but the the last thing that you said about uh, that it affected your heart, you know, this is, this is the very diet that on the news tonight, someone in the country is going to start telling you that this is going to save your life and this is going to protect you from heart disease. Uh, yeah. What do you say when you have the patient that comes in and they are committed to being a vegan, uh, really, but they're also concerned about their heart. And you feel that maybe they've done the vegan thing a little too long already.
2: Well, I don't practice medicine. I just publish. Okay.
1: So so now you're just publishing,
2: but I, I, you know, it's really interesting because, like, on the heart revolution, there's doctors there that, that speak to both sides of things. There's some doctors who say that if you're in current chronic heart disease, like you're, you're in, you have heart disease, that it's good to eat more plant based, you know, um, because a lot of the meats that people choose are full of toxins. So I don't think it's mm-hmm. the meat, obviously, that causes the problems, right. but like nitrates, the hormones, and things like that. Um, I mean, your heart is muscle. It's muscle. So, you know, to, to me, from, for myself and, and from what I know about how, trying to keep my heart healthy, is that if I don't eat enough protein, I start having chest pain. Just like if I go through, like when my sister died or my dad died, I started having chest pain again. I go mm-hmm. to the doctor, get it checked out and it looks fine, right? But you're still having that pain. Is that in your head? Well, if it is, that's your head and your heart are connected. So um, I think that you know, listening to your body is really the most important. I'm not a proponent of eliminating any single food group unless it's sugar. That's, that's <laughs> why
1: <how> I <laughs> find sugar. See, I, I like to take that a little further and say processed sugar because yeah. here we grow sugar cane and um you know i i I don't really get it that often and there's there is the one chinese strain that uh uh some people that i know because i i'm i've become more and more active in regenerative agriculture since coming down here and uh one of the farms that practices this uh they own a cafe and uh it's pretty much a vegan cafe but they have uh sugarcane juice that they press from the cane that grows in their fields Mm -hmm. and so i went to a conference and they had some jugs of it on the table i'm like oh free sugar cane juice i'll have a glass uh because it's you know it's a beverage and it's not sickeningly sweet when you have that uh you know the straight press from the cane Mm -hmm. and i will tell you it did way better for me than any cup of coffee ever did Wow. But without any kind of jittering, no crashes, no sweating or any of the other things that you would think. It was just a really even keel. Like, I don't want to say like a drug, but, but in a way. But you know, like how you, you know, people talk about like, you know, when people smoke pot and they're like, yeah, man, I was just sitting there, you know, just taking everything in. And that's kind of how I felt. I was like, wow, this stuff is like powerful. It was really nice. Um, like, so yeah, you know, sugar, sugar cane itself with all those minerals in there and vitamins can be, can be a a really nice
2: treat. And even the processing, like you said, I mean, really to get the juice out of a sugar cane, you know, nature makes you really work at that. You know, you're going to have to pound at it and squeeze it. So you'll get a little bit at a time You're you're going to get some of the fiber in there or you're going to chew on it. So it goes into your body really slowly. I'm sure like having a machine and just, you know, keeping jugs of it into your refrigerator would probably not be a good thing. But yeah, I think that, you know, it's the same thing like eating the orange from the tree. There's the fiber and the minerals and it's fresh. But if you buy like the reconstituted pasteurized stuff from your store and mix it with tap water, you know, you're going to have that insulin. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) And then drink a half gallon at a
1: time, right? <laughs> the speaking big gulp size. Of,
2: yeah. Speaking of um, sugar, what a mm-hmm. lot of people that I'm talking about, you know, eating meat and butter and traditional foods is that it's really the sugar, the research about the cholesterol, the plaque, it's really the sugar that causes the plaque and the clogged arteries and the inflammation that causes the plaque to come and try to repair these arteries. And so it's... Um. If the sugar the refined as you said the refined sugar is what is the enemy to your heart as is to cancer
1: right right yeah and uh, that's a, another point that we try to uh explain to people repeatedly here which is that uh blaming the cholesterol is like blaming the fireman for starting the fire right right uh you know it's you're, you you weaken your arteries with all of this artificial not just the sugar the nitrates the you know you just sulfates and (laughs) sulfites and and all this stuff that's coming at you and you know a lot of people aren't taking seriously the gmos like all of this stuff is wreaking havoc uh and we also have to think that you know if it was cholesterol there's just as much cholesterol in the in the the veins and capillaries you don't hear about that uh that damage happening over there though uh, yeah. You know, that clogging is always happening in the veins, which is where these sugars are basically just tearing holes and weakening your your veins. The cholesterol is trying to basically a, a, create like a gauze patch, uh, like a Band-Aid in there
2: well, to nowhere, save your life. Well, nowhere in nature do we have sugar in, that, in those copious amounts. I mean, even if you think of honey, which is full of enzymes, mm-hmm. vitamins you know, even that, you know, you'd find a hive and you have to work for it and grab as much as you can before the bees chase after you. So, you know, even just having big jars of honey to eat at a time, if if we really see the way food is presented in nature, I mean, even let's think of meat, like, let's say, say a chicken, you know, you, the chicken has like the breast and the wings and the thigh you know it's like the people just go to the store and they just buy the chicken breast and they don't they don't eat it the way nature provides it right. and provide these just large just only chicken breasts. you've got the dark meat and you know you've got the organ meats and things like that so it's just the same thing they get the same cuts of meat the same kind of meat they eat day in and day out and their bodies aren't getting any variety nature knows mm-hmm. best with the variety in the in the foods you know yeah
1: yeah. And that was when I was uh, more actively dealing with clients, that was one of the things that would drive me crazy because they would, you know, I'd look at their food journal and would be like, oh, I had cup of soup like every day this week. And then I'll be like, okay, so start here, get a chicken, put it, st- well, can I have anything other than chicken? I get really bored easily. And I'm like, you ate cup of soup for every meal for the last week. Are you kidding me? <laughs> same flavor, <laughs> same flavor, by the way. <laughs> Wow. so yeah. yeah you know it's it's but that's you know that's the the human animal is it isn't yeah.
2: it and uh, all the flavorings that are added are so addictive so that's probably uh, why they eat it every day you know
1: well there's that too yeah and and you know we've had some we've had a few of my like success stories uh, come on on the line and and the number one thing is like wow i don't have to starve myself or eat something really nasty to feel good and everybody is shocked because we've been, we've all been fed this message that it's got to be gross, it's got to be dry, you can't have any fat on it, no salt. It's you know just bland, bland, bland. And people have forgotten what food tastes like. So yeah. once that happens, it's not that hard to convince them to eat some of this stuff. Like I went, I remember, you know, because like, I'm always trying new things, and I, I'm not a vegan, and sometimes I'm sadly sound like i'm making fun of vegans but it's it's not coming <laughs> hey, from the, that place well you know what it is it's not so much coming from the ah, ah, you're a vegan. it's more of the you're a self-righteous vegan who doesn't allow other people to you know to to follow what works for them uh that that's the stuff that that gets to me as well as some of the vegan restaurants that i've eaten at where the food was just atrocious and well, as lear I- keith said i'm not gonna force myself to eat anything that tastes this horrible <laughs>
2: Well, you know, the, the the veganism that I saw in college was just heavily soy mm-hmm. and carb and sugar. Um, so that's why I do like, you know, this idea of people adding more plants, because that's, right. you know, the amounts of plants in nature are very abundant. So I think that tells us that we need to include a lot of them yes. on our plate. Um, but yeah, the, you know, people that are just avoiding meat because they have like a moral or religious Ideal, you know, they're filling their plate with, I mean, like in vegan restaurants, the one near my house, it's like fake chicken nuggets made out of processed wheat with like flavoring added to it and some hot sauce on top. And then the dessert is like the soy, which is super GMO, super estrogenic, soy based ice cream with like M&Ms inside of it. And, you know, that's not healthy. That's not healthy. So I think that, um, I think that people are still kind of like missing the boat, sadly.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm going to segue into back to heart disease with this statement and it stems off of your soy comment. Uh, yesterday I was talking to someone and, uh, I hadn't seen him in a while and he had gained some weight, which I felt bad that I walked up to him and poked him in the belly and said, Pillsbury. Uh, because <laughs> I, that, that wasn't, it, it wasn't because I, I thought it was his sweater. <laughs> so, so, and then he's like, Oh, come on. And I'm like, what? Oh, and I was like, Oh, and he's, he said, yeah, he's like, I don't know what's going on. Got to change my thyroid medication. And, uh, and so we're talking and I said, You know, I don't don't know what his diet's like. And I said, yeah, you know, because he was saying that at one point he was hyperthyroid. So he thinks he has Hashimoto's because he was hyperthyroid. And now he's clearly in some hypostate and armor ain't cutting it. You know, the thyroid medication isn't cutting it. And I said, yeah, you know, a lot of people go hyperthyroid initially when they start eating copious amounts of soy. Mm -hmm. And you could see the kind of like, you're a mind reader look on his face because he says to me, soy, huh? And I said, yeah. And he says, I was doing a lot of soy and I lost 55 pounds effortlessly because I went meatless and I was having, you know, soy milk with soy based protein cereal and soy pasta and soy this and soy that. And so he's like, yeah, we're going to have to talk. So
2: (laughs) testosterone dropped. I think that's the quickest way to get men to listen about soy or sugar. Because right. when they, you tell them that it's bad for their health, but then when you tell them that it'll drop their testosterone, then they'll Right, be like, exactly, okay. <laughs> exactly.
1: So, yeah, so then, you know, and then now, and I said, yeah, and then what happens is over time, you your thyroid exhausts from working over time, and you end up on the other side of the spectrum. And he, so, you know, he. it was like his big aha moment, and... Uh, where I'm going with this is to heart disease, because the thyroid, a malfunctioning
2: thyroid, could be an indicator of heart disease as well, can't it? It can be. And that's where I think this whole idea that the heart is an endocrine organ. It was first classified as that in 1983 or 1986. But again, we still kind of just think of this classical idea that's sold to us on TV commercials all the time because of statin drugs and cholesterol lowering medications that it's just this pump that breaks and you need to take these medications because yes the the heart responds to all these hormones insulin thyroid hormones sex hormones hormones like you know neurotransmitters which are really a type of hormone if you really think about it so, yeah, so any one of your endocrine glands, adrenals can affect your heart. Um, there's just no way to do what what modern medicine does and just separate things into like, oh, you have heart disease. Let's just look at your heart. You have thyroid disease. Let's just look at your thyroid. You have fertility problems. Let's just look at your ovaries and uterus. Just that it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Right, so, right. So-
1: yeah and uh, i'm not i swear i'm not trying to plug the podcast but <laughs> i've had so many interesting guests there i i uh, interviewed the woman who wrote uh, anna lemke she wrote uh, drug dealer md and she talks about how because of this because of looking at these individual uh, uh systems uh so separately and and the doctor's not communicating what's happening with the patient people are getting addicted to opioids because they go to this doctor and this doctor says okay i'll write your script for whatever and then they go to the next doctor sure i'll write you a script so she at one point had this was her aha moment she had this patient who i believe was getting about 10 prescriptions for the same medication from 10 different doctors Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until california kind of unified the the uh reporting that she realized this guy was coming in he was adic- he was just
2: addicted. It's really sad, and it's really hard on your heart. And yes. I actually lost my sister that way. She Aww. she was not going to different doctors to getting prescriptions. Mm-hmm. She was going to her one or her two doctors who kept just prescribing her. She was in terrible pain from other illness, but it ended up being the medications. Her heart just again it was called you know the cause of death. Her heart. <laughs> Her I'm heart. so
1: sorry to hear about that.
2: Thank you, but it, you know, and I think these are sad stories that are happening all across America and across the world. You know, these medications are really addictive, and um, we're treating the pain instead of what the pain is asking of us. And it's the same yes. when we, at the, you know, at the heart revolution, it's the same about our emotional heart. When we're in emotional pain, you know, instead of the doctor giving you a prescription drug like an antidepressant to kind of hide cover up or run from the emotional pain it's really important to ask what is that emotional pain asking of me what do I need to do differently what do I need to change maybe it's just that I'm grieving right now and I need to be gentle with myself and be more nourishing or maybe I need to change the situation I'm in but I think in every aspect of pain or any negative emotion and we talk a lot about those at the heart revolution is that you have to ask that question like what is this negative emotion want from me? What is it trying to signal? One of the experts mm-hmm. that we have is Dr. Steven Stosby, who I first found out about him on the Oprah Winfrey show. Oh, okay. and, he, and he's an expert on um, resentment and anger. Mm. And it's really amazing. Um, some of the way he talks about anger is that it stems from shame. Shame is asking us to live in, in accordance to our core values to be the best partner that we can be, to be the best parent we can be, to be the best to ourselves that we can be. And sometimes when we don't, we feel shame, that shame we want to blame because it hurts so bad. So we want to blame, causes anger, and um, that destroys not only relationships but your health as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I actually just had a big conversation discussion about this with three people <laughs> last night in a restaurant and yeah we were just talking about the you know people who are lashing out and i mean we're seeing an, an increase in this aren't we you know where people are just real everybody's just so angry and you know this one made the wrong decision and that one is the reason why my problem in my backyard they're you know three thousand 000- Yeah, it's just it's it's nuts what's what's happening now. So yeah, um, it'll you know from a heart perspective, it it will be interesting to see how this goes forward. Mm
2: Hmm. Yeah, Uh, and and people say that oh, expressing anger is good, but but you got to let go of it. Letting go (laughs) of anger is good. (laughs) Expressing your feelings is good, but but being angry. Yes, just causes more anger as an identity, right? Yeah, and it, it's addictive as well. And Dr. Stosny goes into some of that because it's like this temporary analgesic, right? Because when you're angry and you're you can do something quickly, like lift the car up or run from the bear, you know, kind of like that. Those emotions right. that kind of temporarily take us out of our our thinking brain and we just are able to act, but that can be really addictive too. So these all affect our heart and, and, you know, everything we do. And likewise, our heart gives so much, you know, when we we're talking about nature, the, again, the electromagnetic field that we get from the earth, it sounds so woo woo, but it's really real and measurable. And it helps our own cells and our mitochondria. And then when we are with people that we love, or we hug someone or hold their hand, you know, we feel that energy. And if there's that coherence, it creates, you know, a special Feeling that is good for your good for your heart rate variability, good for your stress levels, and then all of your body systems can, can regulate and act in you know normal ways to to maintain homeostasis and to create health. Because our you know the, my favorite principle of naturopathic medicine, and I put this in everything that I publish, either in NDNR or in the Natural Path, is that we have this idea of the this. The this medicatrix naturae is what we call it. And it's the life force, Adrian, inside of us, this life force that can't really be explained, but we see it when we cells cells divide. We see it when we see wounds heal, when a plant grows, when a child is born. It's, it's something that we can't really explain, but it's inside all of us. And when we, we stop getting in the way of it, then we create health. And when we get in its way, we create disease.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're making me think in very Chinese medicine terms. Uh, you know, where they you know, have that concept of chi, right? This life force that 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 from which all life emanates essentially. Uh and then yeah, you have disease when you block those channels, right? The lymph gets, you know, <laughs> western medicine or at least in the u.s you know somebody's somebody has breast cancer they take out the the healing lymph system whereas the right. chinese try to get it to flow through mm-hmm. uh you know get that that lymph to flow so that you know that that breast cancer is is a reflection of the fact that things are not moving and that's why you get the swollen lymph nodes not because the lymph node is out to get you mm-hmm. right
2: that's the uh, so- you're so right in oriental medicine when they look at fertility they look at your kidneys and your kidneys you know regulates blood flow and um you know the chemistry of yeah. our blood the fluids yeah and and, and there's minerals. so it's really fascinating i love i love that paradigm of healing
1: yeah it is it's um and and this is what ken moorhead was saying is that they're so inclusive of other modalities like they didn't just drop chinese medicine because we discovered surgery you know right, <laughs> like right. you know, yeah just because we can repair stuff you know like reattach a toe totally doesn't mean that that chinese medicine doesn't apply uh yeah. but in this country we tend to think like we're the only game in town it's everything else is quackery right like if we didn't invent it it's you're mm-hmm. you're ta- you're playing russian roulette with your life
2: right at the heart revolution we have uh, ming Tong gu who is an esteemed qigong master and he talks a lot about this, what you're saying in this traditional chinese view of the heart and and the energy flow and how you can create that better flow it's really beautiful yeah
1: it really is i mean take take time out and do some qi, uh, qigong uh so i wanted to find out because um, i should let you go soon uh but i wanted to find out what are some maybe three if you can do it uh surprising connections to heart disease, or perhaps it's ai do not want I don't wanna, I can't say cure, but uh, things that people can explore as potential help for existing heart disease, you know, going beyond the celery and apple for, yeah. <laughs> for every meal.
2: Well, for me, the most surprising that I learned not just during the heart revolution, but prior to starting the heart revolution was, you know, the understanding um, that heart disease is very much part of your, you know, the nervous system. And again, not just like this little, this pumping action. And um, that, you know, when you have like lactic acid buildup in a muscle, it's pain, right? You get a cramp, but nice. you can massage it out or you can slow down from running and start walking. And there's different things you can do. Well, your heart is a muscle that pumps all the time, but you can't just stop it. You can't say, hold on a second, I'm going to take a break, give my heart a massage, you know? So, but th- there is this theory of heart attack that it's from this lactic acid buildup that caused mm. caused from, you know, stress and you know I, it would be a whole other podcast to go into it and I'm not the expert in it but um, Dr. Thomas Cowan is oh, yeah. kind of a pioneer in that area and so that was really fascinating to learn more about that and the cause of angina because oftentimes people have angina and then they go in for a procedure. You know, especially if they have Medicare and Medicare is going to pay for it, and then they still have the angina afterwards. So that was really surprising um, to me and so fascinating. And you know, Dr. Charlie Crockley, who is a naturopathic physician, who we call an elder in the profession. He's seventy years old, and the guy looks like he's fifty, and he's just a picture of health. And he really goes into how he works with patients with his idea of radical self-healing and he plays with these kind of tough love but amazing ideas that like all healing comes from you and so you things like he talks about how honesty is medicine like being honest with Mm. others honest with yourself and I think you know that's not always the easiest thing to do to be honest with yourself right Right. And I think that's really a beautiful thing. And then with Math Institute and some of the other doctors like Dr. Roland McCready and to see how, how much our body, our heart and brains are connected. But then again, like I know I've talked about this a few times, but how the earth itself, it's like, it's all just one big love fest. <laughs> like right. the earth needs us. We need the earth. We need each other. Like it sounds so like, you know, Christmas card, but it, the science is really there and that has been really such a beautiful thing for me at the heart revolution okay wow that's uh that's yeah great. that th-
1: those are <laughs> those are awesome things i'm, I'm actually c- i'm communicating with nicola to find out he said people are watching but nobody has any questions i guess we're we're keeping them entertained enough uh
2: what about dental health yeah,
1: oh, there's, yeah so, there's been some connection between like in fact dental
2: infections yeah yes absolutely i mean um I, one of the favorite articles I ever published was by Dr. Susanna Serenko, who wrote this article that like the teeth are the guardians of health and German biological medicine has taken this really seriously into understanding that when you look at our meridians you, even in a different way you know their Chinese medicine looks at them a little bit differently but these meridians are connected to different organ systems and we know that's true that um the teeth when you are meridians that are very connected to the heart area. And when you do a root canal, you're basically leaving like a dead tooth in your body. So all this bacteria builds up. And Jonathan Landsman, who was the host of the Oral Health Summit, talks at the Heart Revolution about that and shares a lot of the research. And the numbers he cites are amazing that like 90% of heart attacks have been linked to, I'm not saying heart disease, but heart attacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah linked to um, root canals. Mm. So I, I like, I, I heard about this, like, a long time ago, yeah. cancer clinics in Europe, that if you go there, the first thing they do is take a look at your teeth. Um, if you have a root canal, they pull the tooth. I once had a dentist told me I needed a tooth pulled, thank God it was in the back, but I, I decided not to do the root canal and I had them pull the tooth instead because <clears throat> that low level of infection is just not good for your immune system. You know, your blood is being is flowing through your heart so every, every low level infection is doing that and affects every cell in your body so oral health is really grossly mis um misevaluated and misunderstood
1: yeah, yeah, and uh, I forget who it was uh, that I was reading, and he was like, "Why are you going to keep something dead? Why are you holding on to that dead tooth? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just to get rid of it. <laughs> Just, uh, you're better off, right? I mean, yeah. the only thing that should be dead is like your fingernails and your and, <laughs> and your hair, right?" <laughs> so, right. Uh, and let's see. Um, I was too. Oh, somebody somebody else said that she was also uh, vegan and she, she felt terrible for a while and then she um you know and then she went that be- she felt better when she started adding in meat.
2: Yeah, um, and I feel the same way. But you know what's so interesting is one of the doctors on the heart revolution, Dr. Joel Kahn he's a really he's a great guy. He was voted um the most sexiest vegan doctor over the age fifty. <laughs> Isn't that a
1: Who else is in that category? <laughs> <laughs> No offense, but you know
2: <laughs> he is a wonderful, wonderful man. And he is all about plant-based and he, you know, he has an argument for it and stuff, but it's not right for my body type at all. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, although I don't have atherosclerosis and, you know, I'm not on the verge of dying from high blood pressure. So probably those people could eat healthy meat and their vegetables, <laughs> but, you know, there's, everyone's different yeah
1: yeah I, i'm still i mean i, I know there's I've, there's been a, a handful of people that i've interviewed who feel like you know th- yes well not necessarily that everybody should be that way per se or that they specialize you know like like him as being a vegan but uh i i have a few who say like oh well you know i don't want people to feel left out if they're vegan they can still do this and you know <laughs> we have a call for them too Uh, But at the same time, you know, what I've observed over 20, almost 22 years of doing this is that a lot of people, they think they feel well, you know, they think they're, and I guess it depends on what the doctor is looking for. But, you know, and and sometimes, you know, this is kind of goes back to that drug dealer MD thing where the doctors kind of just want to be your friend. They don't want to piss you off while you're okay. sitting there on the table, you know. So it's like, it's like oh, Well, I guess that's OK for you. You know, they like just <laughs> make you feel good about your choice. Right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've seen a lot of these people and it wasn't till something got drastically bad, whether it's the child with autism or the heart disease or the cancer. And sometimes they still pl- plow through it and they're like, no, this is what's helping me keep the cancer at bay and it's like but that's you've been you know you've been eating this way for 30 years and you got cancer you know so maybe it's not you know the best thing um but anyway uh yeah i I see a lot of denial until it's too late right so i'm i'm like reluctant to say you know people should be that way all the time again it just goes back to the whole cycle thing you know just just you know if you're craving something it's better you eat a grass-fed burger than to um you know, eat, eat a, a fake version of it or some exactly. or, or McDonald's, which is, you know, yeah. barely meat anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'd rather you just, you know, just make the best choice. Whatever you do, just do the best choice that you can within the natural world. Uh, yeah. So I, I like to see people focus more on what they want versus what they don't want. So it's you know like a very law of attraction kind of sure. approach you know like not the avoidance of meat but the consumption of whole foods yeah uh, you know, and and that's that is when you were saying that you like the the term plant based better that is what I think uh, uh, um is is a more positive term uh, however you know it can have a basis of plants but that exactly. doesn't mean it doesn't have some some other. Exactly.
2: Because if you think about it, you know, when it was snowing, there wasn't a lot of cattle. So you had to go to like the beef jerky that you made or the minced meat that was fermenting in the jars, right? And then you had your pickled vegetables. So nature provides different things at different times. So even like grass fed beef, you probably shouldn't eat that every single day, because that's not really how nature provides it, right? Like right. You'd eat the cow and you would eat yes. it and, and preserve some of it. And then you'd move on to the next thing. And yeah, so I totally agree with you. I believe in traditional foods and eating a wide variety of healthy, whole, natural foods. And, and, and I, that, yeah, sorry, go that, on. No, I just that I've tried many different ways of eating throughout my life, including not eating when I was had an eating disorder. And <laughs> yeah, I feel the best with for me. I feel the best with my raw milk, and I eat some of my veggies cooked and some of my veggies raw and some of them fermented, and I eat lots of them. But I also eat, you know, duck and chicken and beef and venison and all that stuff and
1: <laughs> right yeah so, yeah i think and and there's the uh, there's also the lifestyle i think uh that we can look at as well as another can of worms uh but uh you know if you're living in a in in a monastery somewhere you know it might or, or you live pretty much like you should be in a monastery yeah you know that might work to be on a raw food vegan diet but for a lot of us who are kind of dealing with the stresses of daily life we need replenishment you yeah, know, we're running back and forth, and it's you know soccer game and this and that. And uh I, I do think that we need to kind of understand that aspect of it as well, uh, because it's not you know, it's only once you eat a wide variety that you begin to understand what your body wants. A lot of people say, like oh, I can't stomach that. Have you ever had it? Nope. And I'm like, Well, then it's not that then you can't really in any authority say that that's what makes you feel better because you know what, you might discover another level of health that you just didn't know, you just right. didn't expect, true. Uh, which is, which is very common. So um, any, anything that you would like to share, you've mentioned several speakers, anyone that you've left out that you think people would really want to hear on the summit?
2: Gosh, well, I love Dr. Peter D'Adamo and Dr. Ben Lynch who are really and to where, like the idea of natural naturopathic medicine and then genetic medicine meet, because right. you can't just look at just the genes, because our environment and nature affects genes and affects which genes are are influenced and um, turned on, for so so to speak. So those are two really fascinating interviews about genomics and genetic mm-hmm. medicine um, that are really fascinating. Um, and Do- Dr. Donnie Wilson talks about stress and, you know, because we can't really eliminate stress. So we have to learn how to deal with stress. And then Dr. Joseph Pierce, um, mm-hmm. he is now deceased, but we have some footage from him before that. Um, he was he wrote that book, The Crack in the Cosmic Egg, and he was really oh, okay. a man before his time with regard to, like, consciousness and health. So he, one of his, um, you know, when, somebody he wrote some books with, Um, called magical parenting, uh, mystical parenting. They talk about the importance of play along with Peter Gray, who has this really popular blog on psychology today called Free to Learn. So in these different interviews, they talk about play and playfulness and how it's this really instinctive part of being human that we've gotten so far away from. And it's really important to learning and cognition and health. And for our children, our children don't play anymore. And Dr. Peter Gray feels that one of the reasons why generations are becoming less resilient um, you know we have terms now for that like the me generation or snowflakes or whatever different people are calling them i don't like any of those words but that um, this when they don't have this opportunity to play and really explore that instinct of like learning from themselves and seeing how people are different from them and figuring out different answers to the same problem instead of just one right answer That um, is one of the reasons why there's less, you know, tolerance in the world and less resilience in the world. And that affects all of our hearts, too. So those are some that I just think shouldn't be missed at the heart revolution.
1: Right. That's that's fascinating. That was actually another discussion we had last night uh, because uh, someone had introduced me to someone, uh, another person whose wife was expecting their first child. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, kids. Ah. <laughs> doing that thing. And I, I, I chimed in a little bit. But then I said, you know, like I said, in all honesty, you know, the one thing that kids do is they 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 mirror back to us our state of mind and they can um they they teach us so much about tolerance and slowing down and uh really just what's important like for me until i had children i really couldn't figure out what life was about Mm. and and in some way I'm not really sure what it was specifically, but I do feel that having children or my first child really, it was like, Oh wow. This kind of makes sense now. Like this is, and not that I'm not that I'm here to be a baby producing machine, but just kind of the, the the concept, like you talked about the oxytocin and the love and the, you know, and all of that bonding and um, hope for the future. You know, it's just so much is wrapped up in these
2: little beings that when they, when they show up. Right. Right. Absolutely. And it's a chance to kind of put into practice everything that we've learned. And it's really, you're absolutely right. It's, it was life changing for me, for sure.
1: Right. And then you brought up the play, which I don't do enough
2: of. So. A
1: lot of us don't.
2: Yeah, we don't, we don't play enough. We don't laugh enough. I have nerdy play, you know,
1: (laughs) I watch documentaries about Justinian (laughs) and Theodora. Um. All right. Well, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and your knowledge. Uh, okay. So everybody, they can check you out at ndnr.org. Dot com. Oh,
2: dot com. Okay. Dot com. That's our the journal. It's the print version. We, we have a print version, but that's the online version of the journal for, for physicians, really. But there's a lot to be learned there about naturopathic medicine and then the nat path is right. for the natural path and that's for patients. And then you can find us at the for this event. And I think you'll have a link of your own that people can yes, find. Yes.
1: Yes. We will have, we will have links um, uh, here on the, on this episode and we're going to send out email and we'll probably, you know, boost some posts and yeah, (laughs) we'll let people know about it. Um, And then they can also find you on Facebook at uh, the Nat path, as well as at Razi. That's R-A-Z-I dash Berry just like right. strawberry or raspberry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you, Adrian. Thank you for making nutrition so fun. And I really enjoyed. And I look forward to when we have a meal together in Hawaii.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm going to cook up a storm, girl. We got a new okay. butcher up the street. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and, and actually, I, I'm now raising chickens. And I raised the best eggs you have ever tasted. I kid you not.
2: I love it. I love it. We only have one chicken now because the coyotes and them. So I know.
1: Yeah, we we had 12. And then the neighbor's dog got at three of them. And then we had to take out two because we had too many roosters. Oh, well,
2: thank you for the invitation. I'll come and see you. Oh, please. to come in Phoenix to come to Phoenix anytime as well. Just don't come in August.
1: Okay. I'll keep that in mind.
2: (laughs) 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 Awesome. Thank you so
1: much. Thank you so much.